Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. Today, we're with Michael, our resident Ephesiologist, Andrew Johnson, Associate Pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas, and I'm Matt Till. Hey guys, it is great to be with you, and also to our listeners, if you happen to find this new podcast in your podcast stream, <laughs> if Yay! you've noticed, we've, some of the podcasts might have been missing for a few days, or maybe it might still be if you're listening on another platform. Michael, what is going on with our, our podcast stream lately? Well, what happened? Requiring minds. Yeah, one, 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 of, one among us had a brilliant idea that we should... <laughs> Uh, try to gather more analytics and um, another among us doesn't have the technological uh, savvy to know how to do uh, that effectively. And one thing string operation another. here, <laughs> right? Genuine technical difficulties. We're uh, are you still wearing your, your sneakers from the 1980s? <laughs> yeah, right. Meaning oh, shoestring. That's a great idea. Yeah. 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 Your old, your old eighties converse. Are they still holding together? No, you know, yeah. I had, I just got new uh, running shoes, but I was running in an old pair of 1990. Uh, oh no, they must've been early 2000. Uh, but still, that's holy amazing. cow. They had holes in the bottom of them. Right. I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> I thought I was the one that doesn't. your feet yet in those. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I was the only one that doesn't uh, throw shoes away. Turns out yeah. I'm not. Well, uh, j just to our listeners, uh, if you've been having troubles accessing, there have been new episodes of Ephesiology since the new year, um, but if you've been having troubles accessing them or finding them specifically on Spotify, um, we've been uh, in the middle of kind of changing uh, some things around in the back end and the feed. Please forgive us. Uh, you should not. Hopefully you've been able to find us again. Um, but we're working on getting that all updated for you. So if you all of a sudden have a population of, oh, there's all these new episodes, or maybe you see this one, just kind of take a look in your feed. There may be a couple other ones there waiting for you um, just in the last uh, the last few episodes. So uh, our apologies. We're working on getting that fixed for you uh, quickly. And thanks for just sticking with us here at Ephesiology. Yeah. Um, so today uh, we're going to kind of continue. We are still kind of in the beginning of the new year of 2022, even though we're already into February, into the second month. But boy, that went fast. Yeah. Like where I did January say, go? No kidding. It's gone here and gone. So uh, we at the end of uh, at the beginning of last year, we did some predictions as to what the church in 2021 might look like and beyond. And so we thought maybe it'd be kind of fun for us to kind of go back and look at some of those early predictions that we had and ask ourselves, are we truly prophets or are we just <laughs> full of hot air? It might oh, be the second. Michael. Yeah. I, yeah. There may be a little of both. Yeah. It was funny listening back to that podcast. I can't remember now what episode it was. Um, but in January, 2021, we'll have our research assistant look that up for you right now. Yeah. Good. Uh, just listening back to that and, and reflecting on 2022 or, and where we might be headed. And if the things that we talked about in 2021 actually happened, or are we on kind of that same path um, that we think of this more of a trajectory that we're on, that's leading us into these things. And 
Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think 2022 will be as interesting as, if not more than 2021. And well, if we recall, uh, at the time we recorded this, I think it was at the very end of, in my notes, I have, we recorded this on December 17th of 2020. Oh, did we really? Yeah. So this is like, it was still at the end of 2020. We're in the throes of the kind of the original first wave of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, the January 6th, uh, uh, right at the yet. Capitol hadn't even happened yet. Um, I mean, so much has happened, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, we still hadn't even had an inauguration yet, you know, in terms of, um, uh, the, um, you know, just the political landscape here in the United States hadn't changed. Um, I mean, just so many things have happened, um, you know, since then and other thing, and new research has come out in the, from the church. Um, it was a pew that put out the big research study, even into 2021 about the number of, uh, the church attendance has officially been on a decline now. Um, so mm-hmm. like we've, we've now had some new things kind of come out even since that time when we were making these predictions. So just kind of, we were kind of making these things in the middle of a, a very interesting time period. Andrew, Speaking what was the of, episode? Research assistant found that yeah. it was episode <laughs> 69, episode 69, uh, which is actually still available on our platforms. Very good everywhere where podcasts can be heard. Yep. So uh, where, what did we say? And <laughs> what and was worthwhile? Where, where's our fact checker? We need to yeah. fact check us now. Right. Well, I think a lot of what was said, Matt, you kind of teed us up because uh, you had been really thinking about these things. And and also, I, I think, as I recall, that podcast, you kind of laid out some ideas and thoughts and um, uh, where we might be heading and, and, uh, we kind of piggybacked on you. Okay. Well, so how I did have, you do? I don't know. Well, let's, let's, let's hit it. Um, okay. So yeah, Michael, what were some of the things that you picked up on from the podcast? Well, well, one of the things that Matt, uh, suggested was that the online thing is going to continue. And, yeah. uh, and that seems to be the case. Um, data is seems to be indicating that people still are going to church online. Uh, that doesn't mean that people haven't gone back to uh, being present in the church, but the online church experience does not seem to be going away. In fact, perhaps even uh, with the introduction of the metaverse that Facebook is trying to, to uh, Force move on forward. Us. Yeah that that might even enhance or exacerbate uh, more of a move to doing church online. You know, it's interesting. I, I taught this church planting course in Korea, Torch Trinity Graduate University last year, and we had a cohort of students actually do a presentation on uh, the church in the metaverse. And so it's very much on the minds of people and even on the minds of some church planters. How do we go about planting churches that are virtual? So I just heard today, I'm sorry, yesterday um, yeah. about a church online in the Roblox um, uh, community, the video game. And huh. wow, somebody planted a church and this person has actually impl- like basically has got a number of volunteers running individual small groups all in Roblox. No kidding. Yeah. Well, I think. I love how you actually, the two words that you used, Michael, to talk about the idea of online church, either to enhance something or exacerbate something. 
good e good e words because to enhance everything that we're just talking about it seems those who are that apostolically minded that evangelistically minded right let's go and chase down people wherever god has them let mm. us go to the ends of the metaverse metaverse and and bring the good news of the gospel to them and right in our our apostolic uh, evangelistic Jesus loving centers. We love this idea, right? Like we want to be all behind it. Like let's support anybody wherever they go um, to bring the good news to Jesus. And then you have the other side of exacerbate, which online church has only fed some of the consumer leanings that we as Americans have. And um, online church is just something that I can come, I can take and get, get whatever I want out of it and then tune out. Uh, I can, I, it's, I can f go to my church in my time. I don't actually have to interact with anybody. It's content I consume, which has led to, I think, two specific articles. Colin Hansen wrote one, mm -hmm. I think at Gospel Coalition, and then Tish Harrison Warren wrote one for the New York Times, um, both of them saying, I think our time with online church needs to stop because the embodiment of Christ as, as believers together is so vitally important. The longer we continue the online game, exacerbating, is actually harming the witness of Christ, the growth of Christ in his church and the witness of Christ. So, mm. um, man, it's like, somebody who, right. It's like the apostolically evangelistically minded is excited by what online church can bring. And the, uh, the shepherd teacher is completely saddened by what's happening with online church or more the shepherd because the teacher and the prophet, they just get to keep talking. So they're fine. But <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm, extemporaneously thinking through this, but it's just, it seems like there's such a, a deep divide, both rooted in different aspects of Christ's heart. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Isn't that what, kind of what we were talking last week with Peyton about that those, you know, the catalytic gifts are really pushing out and the, the uh, cathartic gifts, those that are concerned about caring and healing and so on, they're, they're wanting to kind of pull people together. And, and that's what we're seeing. And, uh, yeah, some at some point, and this is hopefully one of the exciting things that the church could be moving toward. At least I'm I'm hopeful for that. Is a real collaborative effort of all of the gifting working together and saying, you know what? Yes, let's extend, but yes, let's care. And uh, I think that could be very exciting. You know, I my my thing is too is I just want to know who's going to plant the first church on Mars when we begin to colonize. I volunteered for that several years ago. There you go. Actually, I think David but, uh, Bowie did. Yeah. Didn't he? Oh, did he? Bowie. David. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, well, in, in, you know, I think to that, to that point is, is realizing that where people are is ultimately where, you know, this gospel message, this good news, wherever you find humanity is where the message of good, the message of Christ can shine forth. Right. Mm -hmm. And then where God yeah. can be glorified, wherever humanity is found. The metaverse kind of presents an interesting problem um, for us, or at least an interesting conundrum. 
because there's representation of humanity and behind it is humanity, but it's facing forward version of it is, is all fake. It's all zeros and ones. And, uh, and so it's, it's digital imprints, um, of, of what in theory is something that's real behind it. And so artificial intelligence and things like that is going to bring out these kind of questions, I think. Um, and the, the church is going to have to have some real dialogue mm. about and cannot just simply just have a binary <laughs> to continue the analogy, but really literally cannot have just a binary solution to it. Yeah. Um, and isn't it, isn't it representative perhaps in some way of where people are? I mean, when I think of the the explosion of online communities, whether it's through social media or through this metaverse or, you know, the church that's being planted in that whatever video game that is or whatever that is, isn't that just a symptom of the deep desire of people to be a part of something else uh, to be a part of other people and and is this perhaps even their attempts to create a new sort of community that they're not finding anywhere else and uh and i, and I think that's something that we need to think about as the church you know what is it that is happening in our culture today that is driving people to new expressions of community? And is there then a way for us to engage that and, uh, and, and, you know, interact with it and adapt even what we're doing so that we can more effectively uh, be a part of that community as well? And perhaps that gets, Matt, to one of your other predictions about the increased tribalism. No, that's gotten better. I thought we're good. <laughs> well done, Mr. Ah, let's all laugh. Ah. Yeah, yeah, for real. Well, you know, and, and I think that that, um, you know, you're right. And I, th I think that's where we're starting to continue. I, and sadly, I wish I was kind of hoping I was going to be wrong on this one. But sadly, I don't think I am. Um, and is that we have been seeing as we see an increase of you know in some ways access right to to emerging voices um whether it be in in, in evangelicalism or in christianity or any these matters of life and theology but also it, there's also the loudest voices the most dynamic the most charismatic are the ones that seem to garner the most attention and we are seeing continuing fracturing, even within our own church communities um, and within the, the broader church as a whole. Um, you've seen an emergence of, in the last couple of years, these, um, you know, these like patriot churches that are emerging, um, you know, that that are kind of touting the, the flag of Christian nationalism uh, more and more. Um, and you see people leaning in those directions and then you've got the liberal sides, um, the extreme right, the extreme left. And so now you're, you're seeing these people just kind of, you're seeing churches kind of trying to figure out where their place is. And as far as even just within the very own tribes within their own churches, you know, I, I think are struggling. Um, how do you unite across the very aisle, um, in which you're sitting with people, um, yeah. is very challenging right now. The entrenched nature of the church to their flavor of the day it seems that we just keep chasing after sameness or the sameness that we want as opposed to oneness that single unity 
in Christ. And um, it's, it's kind of funny on a Sunday morning during a, a gathering, right? I'm still at a conventional church, right? So gather together on a Sunday morning, like none of us are having it out, right? Nobody's trying to throw down and say your idea or your pet project or whatever your leanings are is stupid, right? That's not coming out in the, that's not coming out on a Sunday morning. But the truth of the matter is I'm not entirely sure how driven towards oneness we are during the rest of the week, right? Mm-hmm. Is is the rest of the week looking like we're totally content with the sameness, but on Sunday morning, just for that gathering, sure, we can we can put on the we're unified hat. Um, and that's something we continue to talk about. This is something that ephesiology, uh, I know that we, we talked about in our earlier episodes is if the, if the name of Christ is over us and his newness is in us, then shouldn't that show up in the world? Shouldn't there be a change in the community around us, mm-hmm. uh, seeing Christ's newness? Um, and so that actually should show up during the week, that unity in Christ. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good point. We we ended 2021 with a series that we haven't finished yet, and that is uh, after evangelicalism, what? And a part of what we've been discussing uh, in trying to answer that question is what does it look like for us to be the church uh, Monday through Saturday? And uh, and one of the beautiful expressions of the early church was their gathering on a daily, regular basis, you know, and, and we've lost that for the most part. We, we tend to gather on Sunday and we might gather with a, a small group of people during the week. And uh, rarely are believers gathering together on a regular daily basis with others. And, and I wonder how much of that actually increases the tendency toward tribalism, uh, because we're not in fellowship uh, more regularly with folks. Mm. And, you know, it just brings to mind Hebrews chapter 10, doesn't it? Uh, the Hebrew writer talking about that we shouldn't forsake the gathering together of the believers. And so often that passage is taken in uh, the context of the Sunday church. Morning. Yeah, that we shouldn't forsake the gathering together of Sunday morning. But the context of the passage is the continual gathering together because of what Christ has done for us. Um, and, uh, and, and there's a real beauty in that we see in the early church that, that they did that. They gathered regularly, daily uh, together in that realization that Christ is with them and they have daily access together as a body to him. And um, there's a beauty there that that we miss today. I think there's also this very, very. Uh, this is not good. This is not new, right? But we read, we go back to those first century writings, and we read about how the church met, and we, you know, do not neglect the meeting uh, together. And and then we fast forward to where we are, and you know, especially in Houston, like it's a commuter lifestyle. Like all of us in Houston live as commuters, either commuters to our work, commuters to our homes, commuters to the events and uh, societies and interests that we have. 
um, the joke is at, like most things in Houston, it's either 20 or 30 minutes away. Like, and if, if you are under that 20 minute mark, it's like, Oh, that's, so that's down the road from you. Right. And for other people, it's like, I have to go 20 minutes. Like that's ridiculous. And yet all of us in Houston, we're just used to that. And because we're used to that, our church, which is on the, uh, it's downtown. I shouldn't say it's downtown Houston. Anybody who's actually downtown Houston will tell us where you can't claim that. So we're just West of downtown in the Montrose Midtown Rice military area. But um, I, I say that to say, because it's at city center, then people who call near town home are going to call it home if their drive is about 30 minutes. Uh, which means there are people who are in your community that can be an hour away from you. Mm-hmm. And there's not really, unless you're happening to meet during the work week because you both work downtown uh, or in that area, then it's a, it's a phone call, but you're not really regularly meeting with these people that you are in community with on a Sunday morning because they're far flung. They're an hour away. And I, I'm just describing my own church context, but uh, I know that it is it is very difficult for us to look back at those first century writings and then try to say, okay, so so meet with your church daily. Meet with the people who are in your community. You know, as we always claim, do life with one another, which is great. With mm. with who? Like how far are you willing to drive? What what way are you willing to uh set that in your schedule. How are you going to fight for that? And it just becomes mm-hmm. super complicated and we all shrug our shoulders and we say, ah, crap, we just can't do it like we want to. And so then we're idealists, but it's hard to be practitioners. Well, Matt was the idealist last year when he predicted that there'd be a new emphasis on community and he called it the great reset. Do you still think that's, that's where we're headed? The great reset? For a new community, man, I don't know. A new emphasis. Like, yeah, I, I mean, in some ways, I, I would, I would still hope that, you know. But was I'm that wishful hard... thinking? Well, I I'm, think it's I'm biblical feeling, thinking. Yeah, I'm feeling a little more pessimistic these days, um, and that's just me being real about it. And, and maybe because I think I'm wondering if this is more of a, you know, Jeremiah moment. Israel mm-hmm. kind of being sent into the wilderness, you know, into Babylon and kind of like, yeah, it's going to be rough for a little bit. You have to relearn this. Um, I kind of have that kind of have that kind of wondering in my own spirit about it. I don't know. Um, you know, I'm hearing you, Andrew, talk about, you know, th- this concept, this idea of just like, you know, being together and, you know, Michael too, like, sh- shouldn't we just be kind of meeting together more? <laughs> shouldn't, don't, don't we need to know our neighbors? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We need to know our neighbors and who they are. And, but I feel like we're, like, here's, here's the problem I have. How do you, and I think the, the problem that other people have, how do you know to trust your neighbors? Mm-hmm. We're so ideologically driven people right now. And we're so ideologically divided that you don't even know, like, it's one thing to say, oh, you're, you know, your neighbor, you know, likes this kind of food or likes this sport, you know, let's go sports team. Cause that's kind of usually where we end up, you know, they're, they're a 
they're they're a Tom Brady fan and they're not. And all of a sudden it's, you know, <laughs> one's crying, the other one's rejoicing, mm-hmm. right? And it's like you don't like that's like it that seems so small potatoes, right? You know, um, even coming from Chicago, it's like, you know, the Bears versus Packers, and there's like this this friendly feud that occurs and you know this sense of like <laughs> not so friendly your... sometimes i was no, like it's not you are get... really trying to make that one sound good <laughs> well you know i mean yeah it can get like pretty heated but i'm just saying though at the end of the day you can kind of still like you know or socks and cubs you know kind of a thing and granted there's some people who really take it too personally but at the end of the day you could sit with people in the same church and one's wearing a bears jersey the other one's wearing a packer jersey and i've been to church like that you know what i mean and it's like at the end of the day, you still walk out, you know, going, Hey, we're, we're on, we're on the same team, team Jesus. Right. But I, I think the ideology, the ideological divides are becoming far deeper and far more personal and um, people are entrenching themselves and more and more. And I just, I'm kind of wondering, like, I think we're having a harder time even just getting to know our neighbors. Cause we're, we're actually afraid of our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's more fear generated with our own neighbors now of like, who are you? And, um, where I don't even know what you stand for. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you like January 6th rocked me to the core and I'm, I'm not, you know, just like nine 11 rocked us and made us, you know, all of a sudden kind of like really skeptical and afraid of, of people who don't look like us, you know? Um, and, and so like that kind of created a hysteria, January 6th has now done something similar. And, um, now it's like, wow you look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I don't know, you know, ideologically where you stand. And, you know, we've, we kind of had to like do the unworking of that because those things are like, well, I shouldn't be afraid of every person that looks like they're from the middle East because of, because of September 11th, you know what I mean? But that was kind of the culture we created in a sense. Um, and, and now today I shouldn't have to be afraid of somebody who, who happens to vote a particular way, but dang, I, I you know, like there, there's some deep ideological divides and it's interesting as we're talking about all this is like, you have to get to know the neighbor. And I think part of it is just, there's a lack of getting to know our neighbors and a lack of understanding one another and a lack of hearing from each other's experiences. I'm actually going to be teaching on this actually at, at the church we're, we're attending now uh, here in, um, in, uh, in South Florida, but I'm actually be teaching out of, of Ephesians two. And, you know, Andrew, you're just now talking about this, about one in Christ. And this is exactly the sermon I'm going to be preaching on this coming weekend. And, and this Good is a physiological some, sermon. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and, and I think that this is part of that conversation is like, if we're going to have this renewed sense of community, if we're going to have a renewed sense of trying to break down tribalism is that it really starts to see, we can look back in that first church, that really successful church movement that began in Ephesus on Paul's third you know, missionary journey. And what began it's like it, it, you know, I'm reading this going in, in Ephesians 2 about, you know, Paul's writing to them. Now, years later, after he had already been there, you know, you were once talking about this difference between Jew and Gentile. But now in Christ, he's created a one new, you know, I, I, I don't like the translation to ESV. It says man, it, you know, it's, it's anthropos, it's anthropology, it's, it's humanity, it's people. He's created one new people. And it's not that he's not, he didn't create a third way. He just erased the boundaries. He broke down the barriers that separated mm-hmm. Jew and Gentile to create one newness. And it's like th- that church survived and, and thrived, didn't just 
it's derived because they stop seeing each other in categories of us and them. Mm-hmm. They became, it's like, we're one people under Christ. And some of you know that yet. And some of you don't know that yet, mm-hmm. but I, but we, there's no more us versus them. It's, it's just us. <laughs> <laughs> and God is our father. And it was, and he was, and it's revealed to us in Jesus. And we can look to this amazing event that happened in history that, that demonstrates that to us. And the story is so compelling that he is the way. And so unite around that. And so like, to me, it's like, this is, that's the, like the starting point of we have to start breaking down the us versus them. But if our, if our pastors are, is Fox news and MSNBC and CNN and Newsmax, if those are the pastors Monday through Friday, you're, you're, it, that's all you're hearing is us versus mm-hmm. them. And, so, and that, that has to, we have to change that. We, we have to stop seeing it. We have got to start seeing through that. So Matt, what we're going to do, Michael and I are going to start chiming in and then you can start writing your sermon notes so that like, <laughs> I already have. Yeah. So that's like even more, I'm, I'm preaching Sunday on love one another. So it, it well done. almost might seem that's biblical that we, too, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I wanted to jump in excitedly um, to what you were saying Uh Oh, you can also reference Ephesians four. You can start pulling in that one faith, one hope, one baptism. Uh, yeah, I one know. Lord and Father of all. Like, like I'm, I'm going to write your sermon, and then after we get off the pod, you can help write mine. Yeah, well, I mean, even before you get to Ephesians four, of course, you have Ephesians three that's talking about we have this one purpose, this one mission uh, mm-hmm. that God has empowered us to be on, and and I think that's critical for. The movement, or it was critical for the movement in in Ephesus, and it's critical for us today, is that we have one mission. There is Christ who has given us one vision. There aren't 380,000 missions and visions represented by the 380,000 local churches in the United States, or, you know, that however many hundreds of thousands around the world. It's one. And, and I think there is where we have kind of a breakdown is that, and, and yeah, we have a breakdown there. And when we begin to think about, well, I'm going to follow this person or that person, and I'm going to be a part of that church or this church because of their mission or vision, then, then we will have a greater penchant for being tribalistic you know, I'm from this church. I'm from that church. I follow this pastor. I follow that pastor. When Christ wants us to follow him, he set the vision for us as the body of Christ and has placed us on a myopic mission to bring God glory. And uh, and I think that's really where we, we need to be heading, because if we are united around that one mission that's expressed in Christ's vision for the body of Christ, then boy, I mean, what can divide us? Um, I don't think nothing can if, if we're genuinely united. I don't think uh, anything. I don't think anything can. <laughs> I don't think nothing can. No, ain't nothing standing in the way. Ain't I, nothing. I actually, like what you're saying, Michael, it, it, Matt, I was trying to be funny and, and then I lost my train of thought with you. So, but it came back. 
And there was a moment the other day where I was thinking if we, so I listen to podcasts uh, aside from ours. Um, and I listen, I tend to listen to a lot from kind of one channel. And it struck me that during the week, I am very excited to listen to those podcasts from driving those 20 or 30 minutes everywhere in Houston. And not naming the podcast. Well, I don't care. You know, I listen. Well, it's the ringer. It's a lot of stuff from the ringer. So it's got, you got the Bill Simmons podcast. And then um, I love the press box. Um, Love checking in on the NBA show. Um, I used to listen to uh, black on the air. Haven't lately because I just gotten lost on a whole lot of things. But um, so like I, like I said, I don't mind saying it. Uh, but the truth of the matter is actually the longer I go, Matt, the more silly I feel, which is proving my point of how much time do I give these people? How much time do I, for entertainment, right? And for the joy of thinking through some of the things they're talking about, um, you know, basketball stuff, pop culture stuff, um, something even more um, serious. Uh, how much time am I giving them? And then if I were to weigh that time on a scale, what what place am I giving actually chasing after God? You know, that one singular focus for his glory in all the world. Uh, am I, is my amount of time in prayer, in the word, in seeking after him and his place in that, is it equal to the time that I'm taking in these other people's thoughts, right? Like Matt, you refer to them, you know, the pastors at Fox news, the pastors at CNN, the pastors at the Atlantic, uh, the pastors at OAN, like, who are you giving your time to during the week? And I was trying to be all pithy and I was going to tweet it and then make an Instagram graphic and share it and be, try to put this idea out there. And then I got, I think I just got too uh, ashamed, honestly, as I was like, reflecting on my own listening habits so it didn't get sent <laughs> out but i think the the truth of the matter is without being this uh shame bringing 80s person of you should do this or you're a bad person like it's just but reflectively speaking where am i placing as that highest voice in my life where am i choosing to place myself in the us category during the week where am I, where am I reinforcing that us-ness so that I understand what the them is on the other side? And, and where am I just saying like, maybe I'm spending too much time chasing entertainment and maybe I should be going back towards what does it look like to be chasing after Christ's unity and all things. So, so here's where I'm going to, I'm going to diverge a little bit. Um, I'll, and, and I'm going to say, I don't really care. And I don't think it really matters if you're giving more time to Fox News or CNN or whatever. My point is that if it is in Christ who is creating this new temple of humanity, this new people with Christ as the cornerstone, right? Then there is room for a diversity of ideas and a diversity of people and experiences that we should be learning from and hearing from. My concern is that if we spend more time with poor people like us who only think like us, we're no better. But my, but on the other side is listen to the podcasts, enjoy the good things that humanity has to offer, learn from them, learn from each other, see God's goodness and his grace in all of this. And, in, and, throughout, and, and throughout history and throughout what is happening in our world today, 
but let us not accept the binary conclusions and the 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 language that begins to pit power and privilege and authority of others over other people. Let us not be content when language goes to us versus them that we say, full stop, time out, you cannot do that. Where is Where are the people standing up for that? And it's just, it, it, it doesn't exist, but this is what Christ has called us to. It's like, listen, we have one head, it is Jesus. We're in this together. He is our creator. He is our God. He loves us. Your experiences are different than mine, but let us not get to the place where suddenly it, it, this is this is the this is the world that Paul walked into is this yeah. cosmopolitan world of diversity of Jew and Gentile, and even within that there were subfacets and categories. Right? You have the God of the world, the God of the universe, the God of Abraham, and the the goddess of Artemis. <laughs> right uh, at his temple, and and it was like it, and and not once you go back to Acts nineteen, and you see the riot that occurred in Ephesus after Paul being there for two years. They were accusing the Christians as to speaking poorly and badly against Artemis. But the reality is, even the governor stood up and said they haven't said a bad thing about Artemis. Mm-hmm. They didn't say anything wrong about Artemis. All they've been doing is loving us <laughs> and loving you for who you are and, and showing us a, another way. I mean, he, he didn't go that far to say those language, but you can see that he literally says they haven't spoken poorly about Artemis. So, so knock this off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. And diversity has not only its place is right and it is good. Amen. And I, I think, I think one of the things though, where I'm seeing, we're not talking past each other. Like you said, you're taking a different tack is that, you started saying that like there is one head and that is Christ. And I think where a lot of these things are getting screwed up is either one where we have switched who was on top. Right. So, you know, go and enjoy all the things of culture. Just understand where culture is. It is subservient to Christ. It, you know, Christ is top and all of those things are clearly secondary, tertiary, way down on the rung of influence. The difficulty, Matt, that I see, I can't even believe I'm the one saying this on this podcast. The difficulty is when something is purported to be not that big of a deal and is embraced by name of diversity when in fact it is being, it's challenging that top spot and the things that come out of it are dangerous and bad. And we're saying, oh, but it's just diverse. Mm -hmm. It's just somebody's opinion. You can go and take it in, you know, as long as you're following Jesus and he's preeminent in your life, then, you know, you can just take in whatever you want and be a part of it. But right, like Paul was not saying, you can go and hang out with Artemis right? You can go and serve Artemis, but as long as you're serving the top God, then that's what matters. Like, I think that is where some of this kind of like, you know, to each his own, it meets its end because Mm -hmm. at some point it's kind of like, actually, no, but that's bad. That's unhealthy. And we need to be good about saying it's unhealthy. And then let's just add this other aspect of this conversation that we haven't gotten to. And maybe this is a conversation for another day, but 
it's when it's when we are Christ is preeminent, and then we take all of our pet political beliefs or um, fandoms or wh- whatever, right? The kind of the other things that we're talking about and enjoying, and we've we started to merge them, and so because we are Christian, thus we are Republican. Because I love Jesus, thus Obamacare needs to always stay as something, right? And so I just chose two very wide, trying to trying to make sure both people understand these different opinions, but but people tie these things in together. And thus, that's what makes some of this conversation really difficult when we're saying, hey, like you let's be diverse. And you're saying, but my diversity, like that's my faith. And you're saying my faith is bad. And I'm saying I am who I am because of my faith. And that leads to side glances that leads to, or potentially leads to distrust. And and it's just a perfect example. Even just coming out of that passage of of Ephesians two is that there's this sense of like some are called the circumcision and those of the uncircumcision and that wall that, that that dividing part has now been cast aside. It's, it's Mm -hmm. no longer a distinction any longer that matters or is of necessity of necessity. And so you literally have, in some ways, the Jewish laws and rituals are being broken down, right? And and then embracing of a lot of the Gentile way, like, oh, what was hands off or what you could not do or what you had to do is no longer applies, right? But then the complete loss of, you know, and then on the, gen, you know, from a Gentile side or from, you know, from those who are of, of non-Jewish origin and those who maybe, you know, worship pagan gods and goddesses, there's this sense of like, come to this side now <laughs> and let us see not maybe, you know, so there, there's like, there's a loss on both sides in some ways. And mm-hmm. then what was made in dividing the two is like, let's take the best of both, let's take the best of both worlds and bring them together under the unity of Christ, you know? Um, but, but, you know, I think it's a, the point you're making is exactly the same. And I think has always been the challenge for the church for 2000 years. Well, it, it's, it's, um, it goes to one of your other predictions, Matt, and that was that we need to innovate missionally. And I think that's what we're talking about here in part, because the question that is in my mind, listening to you guys talk is what if we were to think about these cultural things that tend to create tribes and divide us? What if we were to think about them missiologically? You know, what is it? And, and, and instead of putting ourselves in those camps, what if we were to ask the question, what is it that God might be doing in these different cultural expressions or in these different tribes that might provide an opportunity for us to engage with the gospel in those tribal contexts or, uh, or adapt even something that is expressing itself that could find uh, uh, an expression in, in the context of the church. And I say that because, you know, I'm reading, I've shared off and on with you guys over the past week or so, different quotes from different authors that I've been reading. Uh, and as far as I know, um, none of them are are necessarily believers. I think one is a Mormon or at least was raised Mormon. 
And one of the things that I keep finding myself asking is, what what is it that they're communicating about our culture today that is an expression of an issue that the church could address in a very strategic and effective way? And uh, and here's one of those. This is from uh, the, the from D Hawk, who was the founder of Visa, and in his book, uh, one out of many, I think is the title of it. He says this: people everywhere are growing desperate for renewed sense of community, deeply held, commonly shared purpose and principles leading to new concepts of self-organization and governance at multiple scales from the individual to the global have become essential. And isn't that what we've been talking about? This missional innovation, I think is beautifully expressed right here by somebody who's not necessarily a follower of Christ, but is an image bearer of Christ, and he might have put his finger on something that we need to pay attention to. So all of that to say that, you know, yes, there are these tribal things that are going on, political tribalism, cultural tribalism, even theological tribalism. And instead of looking at those as the enemy, what if our eyes were such that we looked at those as an expression of what God might be doing implicitly that we need to make explicit in our expression as the body of Christ. Yes. And amen. <laughs> I know I'm saying it was Long quiet. Pause. Cause I'm just like thinking about this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right, Michael. Well, it makes me a, a little less, um, I don't know, uh, hilariously, uh, listeners, you can just, you know, rewind the pod and talk about misplaced passions. Um, you know, talking about some of the things that we get really animated and excited about. And um, Michael, I appreciate the encouragement to take a step out and just say, God, 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 what is God doing here? What is God doing here? Well, because he's not uninvolved. And I think right. that was part of Absolutely. the beauty of what happened in Acts 19. You know, when the town clerk comes and said, you know, these these Christians, they're neither blasphemers nor sacrilegious of our goddess. And I, you know, that's still to me one of the most remarkable statements I've ever read about Christians in the New Testament. And, and they weren't that way, I think, because they were so focused on Jesus's mission, that that was their goal. And a part of Jesus's mission is loving people. And they did that. And Matt, you brought that out. Um, but that's part of the, the beauty of the, the movement in Ephesus was that they genuinely loved and they cared for the community. They weren't divided politically. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't among themselves. They weren't uh, putting themselves in those tribes, but they found unity because of what Christ had done. They came together united in that mission, and they looked at other people with the love of Christ. And, and what if we were to do that with those that uh, root for the Packers or the Red Sox or the Yankees or, you know, whoever, what if our eyes were such that God loves them, Christ loves them, I love them, and I want to engage them. I don't want to criticize them. I don't want to be blasphemous of their views, but I just want to show them the love of Christ. So well, I'm going to have to change my tone about Dallas. <laughs> <Is> that... <laughs> okay. Might need to. 
you know, in and in this day of of this claim of power and authority and the right to knowledge and the right to what books are we going to put in the school system and which ones we're not going to allow. Um, it, where is Jesus? Like, I mean, if we, if we want to like, just look at the most simple facts of the new Testament message, you find Jesus who has all power, all authority given to him by God, the father proved it through all of his miracles that he performed. Not, uh, not the least to say, even just the virgin birth alone, as if that would have been enough. And he continues with these incredible miracles. And even to the point of him hanging on the cross and being berated and said, send your angels, send them and, 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 and let them rescue you. And he, he just lays down his, his ability. He lays down what he, what he rightfully could have done at any Mm -hmm. moment for the sake of showing a better way. Mm -hmm. And, and I think when we choose that, when we choose to relinquish our power, authority, our oppression of others, when we relinquish our willingness to say that I know best, um, and we work together, we break down those walls of hostility, just as we find at the blood of, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what we find there is, you know, God knows best and, and, uh, we need to listen and learn, um, and see each other as us. This is it. We are humans. We are humanity together. And um, we are God's children. And uh, my neighbor is too. And maybe they just don't know it yet. And so I think those are the, that, that seems to be, Michael, that missiological approach that you are calling us to. And, and for that, if, um, if I'm hearing you correctly, then yes and amen to that. Um, that, that is our way forward. But I think it'll take some time still to get there because it seems like to me, while I I think that was kind of the final prediction is maybe a clarified discipleship and mission um, is, is I think maybe we're getting there is that innovative piece, but it's the, it's that clarifying of, of mission and, and what discipleship looks like. And I'm hearing it more and more just at a conference. They're talking about Ephesians, uh, the church, uh, we're attending, they're going through Ephesians right now. I think people are starting to kind of rediscover that early church in Ephesians and going like, Hey, I, there may be something here, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm hope, you know, I think I'm hopeful and, uh, and, and, but I think we're going to have some, some rocky days ahead of us still. Good stuff. I mean, yeah. um, <laughs> it, it, the year like I'm says, sure will not uh, every eye closed. Let's all bow and pray. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's just so much to there's my, my, I feel my head is swimming just so many different things to think about both in, in loving others and ministry, uh, both locally and at church. So, you know, kudos to both of you. And now I'll have a whole week to chew on all this. <laughs> yeah, me as well. Me as well. Well, guys, this is great, and um, I'm grateful that we uh, uh, spared ourselves the the humiliation of trying to make predictions for this year. Um, <laughs> so, it uh, seems like maybe we're we're onto something, but um, you know, uh, the the Lord will have His way with us this year. And 
just for our listeners too, we just want to just, just offer up, you know, God's blessing on you, on your ministry and uh, wherever the Lord is, is calling you to serve right now and the challenges that maybe you're facing, whether it be internally uh, within your own family, uh, whether it be within your own neighbors, your own community, um, maybe you're struggling with a friend, um, even within the context of your own church community. Um, you know, there, there is, there is hope there really is. And, uh, we can continue to pursue the right things and the best things. And, and I think if we dig down deep, um, we can, we can kind of start to see and turn a corner and, and kind of reduce this, um, this language that separates and alienates, but rather seeks to embrace and, and call us to the one true God. And so, um, our prayers are with you as you minister faithfully. And we know that if you're a pastor listening, we know that these have been really hard couple of years and uh, new statistics are coming out all the time about how a number of, of pastors are looking to leave right now. And, um, and that's really hard to hear. Um, I am one of them who left last year. Um, and, and I know how you feel um, for those who have left uh, the pastorate or are considering it. Um, these, are, these are difficult times and just like teachers who are teaching in the public school system are feeling the, the crux of this uh, of this alienation and um we see you we hear you and um and, and know that these are not easy days um but let us kind of take a step back and and reevaluate um and so if we can be of any resource or support to you here at physiology uh, we would we would love to do that for you and hope that this this podcast um is is a blessing to you But with that said, um, thanks for doing theology and community with us here on the Ephesiology Podcast. We're glad that you are part of the growing Ephesiology community. Uh, Learn more about Ephesiology and get access to missional resources for you and your church and your leadership teams at Ephesiology.com, as well as our expanding library of the Ephesiology Masterclasses. Again, that's Ephesiology.com. And so for Michael, Andrew, and myself, we'll talk again right here on the Ephesiology Podcast.